as we hear these words that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, what I'm asking you to do this morning is to see if you agree with his perception of who we are. All right. Stacy. First reading today is from Romans 7:21 through 8:2. So I find it to be law that when I want to do is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God. But with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Second reading is from John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. This is God's word. 
Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the things you need to know about your new pastor, and I, I figure I can use the word new for at least another three weeks, that I am a guy. I am a guy. Now, I know that the beard makes that somewhat obvious, but there, there is a difference between a guy and a man. And we're going to go into that in just a second. Guys often do things that normal and healthy males would never do. If you want to know more about guys, the encyclopedia for the definition of guys can be found in Dave Barry's Guide to Guys. So, women... If you married a guy, and I'm looking around and thinking some of you did, or guys, if you want to know more about yourself, pick up Dave Barry's book. I do not get a cut of what he sells. So with that in mind, it was about 6.45 on Thursday morning, and I was finally ready to go take the, I have a sit-on-top kayak that's about 12 feet long, and it was time to get it out on Lake Sammamish. Now, the backstory for this is, for the first time in Auburn, I had the opportunity to go stand-up paddleboarding. Now, anybody gone stand-up paddleboarding? It is, okay, okay, good. It is one of the most amazing things you will ever do. You really are literally standing on the water on something that looks something like a very long surfboard. But what happens in stand-up paddleboarding is your muscles and your legs and your waist and really in your core are firing all the time to try and make sure you're balanced. Well, well friends, you know what I discovered? A stand-up kayak or a kayak is not a stand-up paddleboard. <laughs> but I had to try it because I'm a guy. So there I was out at 645 on Lake Sammamish, launched at the state park, took a right and turned kind of east, uh, northeast, went around to that little point that sits out there, and there's a somewhat shallow area up there, and I thought, perfect spot. Now, what I have failed to tell you is that Thursday evening before going out Friday morning, I, you know, I'm a preparer, I'm a planner, I, I like to do that kind of stuff, and I had everything laid out, and everything was in the truck, including the kayak, and no less than 10 times, no less than 10 times, I thought, you know what? I better take my glasses straps with me. <laughs> Friday morning, I had laid it out on my desk. I looked at it. I said, probably should take it. And then said to myself, but I'm a guy. I'm not going to go over. Right? So out I go, and I, I find this point, and I think, okay, and I get ready, and and I just shove off a little bit from shore, because it wouldn't be fair to be partially on shore. And I'm up. I got up. And there I am, balanced. And I'm thinking, whoa, this is great. I wasn't moving like that, though. Um, I was in my head. And, 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 and finally, you know, I just kind of got the, the, that, that center of balance and suddenly noticed that I was about 40 feet from shore. And the water looked really deep to me. And I thought, okay, I, I, I'm a guy, I'm not going to panic. Guys don't panic. They get uncomfortable, but they never panic. And so I very carefully took my paddle and just to ready to go back to the shore 
And as soon as I put the paddle in the water, I was over. Now, this should tell you something, too, because as soon as I hit the water, my left hand immediately went to my face, hoping to grab the glasses. What does that tell you? On my mind. And I felt the glasses graze against my left hand. And so quickly, I, I went underwater, hoping to catch them. I, helped, I, I felt it as the end of the glasses grazed my right hand. And as if to say, you stupid idiot, they then hit my foot. <laughs> and in my mind, I could see my glasses saying, see? Well, you can imagine, okay, so then I'm in the water, I've got my fleece on, I'm, I'm weighing down, but I do have my personal flotation device because it is the law in the state of Washington. And I, I, I swim to shore only to realize that my kayak continues to move farther and farther away. <laughs> So finally, I, 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 you know, I toss the, the I'm, in, I'm in my spring wetsuit, and so I toss my, my, my life jacket away and my fleece, which is soaking wet, obviously, and I swim out and I get the kayak. I grab the paddle, I put the paddle in the kayak, and I think I'm a guy, I need to find my glasses. So I dive. You know, what an idiot. And I went down three or four times, and I could never reach the bottom. I went farther and farther and farther, I could never reach the bottom. Finally got up, gave it up got into the kayak, began to paddle back, and you can imagine what was going on in my mind. I don't know why the face of my wife kept coming to mind. <laughs> but it did. And I want to remind you that she's from New York. And the face in my mind was not as pretty as it might be. And I just kept thinking, but I got to call her, I got to tell her. And so, so there I am. And I get back, and the other thing that was going on was this Roman scripture that you, that you heard read. Oh, wretched man am I. Who will, who will help me escape from this body of, and I didn't say death, which was in the scripture, but stupidity, you know, all those things that came to mind. And, and why is it that we do that? So I got back to shore, and after literally <laughs> seven trips to LensCrafters that day, I got a new pair of glasses, a new pair of sunglasses, and my wallet was less heavy by $800. Oh. And you hope, don't you? You hope, you hope that at least some of the insurance is gonna pay for some of that stupidity. So friends, human nature. For me, that is my nature. I test, I do things that are stupid. I, I, I want to test the limits. I always have my father sitting in the back and he can tell you those stories and constantly trying to do that. Later. <laughs> yeah. He'll be in the corner in coffee hour. <clears throat> but human nature is an amazing thing, is it not? That, that there are two kind of schools of thought about human nature. And John, I don't know if we, you have that picture. Uh, but, but the first picture, and let's see if we can get this up, is this. Now, this may be the first time you've ever seen a worm in worship. But if you go back to Wesley, and you go back to Calvin, and even go back to Paul, they would say that this is what we are. And they used the word worm. That this is what we are. Period. And it is only by the grace of God that we can move beyond being this. I'm not overly fond of that understanding of my relationship with my creator. 
But there is another school of thought. And that is that we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. And that is that we may be more like, you have the other one? This. That somewhere in our heart of hearts, in that created being that we are, everyone has the potential of being something like a Mother Teresa. Now I asked for a service to respond, and we did, we had a little discussion about this for a service. Which is it for you? Where are you when you think about human nature? Which school do you attend, if you will? Is it the worm? Because there is a tremendous amount of that in churches throughout the world today, that that is what we are. Or is it that you believe that we have the potential or the heart of even someone like Mother Teresa? And that is the more natural piece. And then on Saturday morning, I picked up the newspaper, and there on the front page was the story of the man who killed the woman in South Hill. And what was the most profound picture on the front page was that of her family forgiving this man and saying that we have worked through it and that we hold no malice. Two distinctive pieces of human nature. Or are they? Friends, what we have a propensity to do, I think, also in human nature is to compare ourselves to a variety of things. We compare ourselves to the neighbor whose house is immaculate and beautiful. We compare ourselves to that car that that other person drives thinking, boy, I would look great in that car. We compare ourselves physically to so many others. I mean, look at the billions and billions of dollars that are made in commercials about comparisons. It's because they understand clearly that we compare ourselves constantly to those around us. And yet as Christians, as people who truly believe that we are miraculous creations of God, I hope that's what you believe. There is only one with whom we are to compare ourselves. And that is Jesus. And again, frankly, you'll hear me say this fairly often, is I don't care where you come down in your understanding of Christianity and being a follower of Jesus. Whether you believe you are saved by the blood of Christ or whether you believe that you are simply a follower of a great man, the, the distinctive possibilities still exist there no matter how you approach your faith. I think I've shared with you before, even in the six weeks that we've been here, that I had the privilege of being a track coach at Woodenville High School for about six years. We had the whole Bennett family sitting over here this morning and some very elite athletes in that row today. And what was interesting about coaching track, my, my areas were pole vault, hurdlers, and jumps. But my other area was doing all of the mental prep for all of the athletes. And we had about 175 athletes in those six years. Every year, 175. It was an incredible program. What a privilege to be a part of that. But what we talked about at length was visualization, of visualizing how you can get better, of setting goals, personal bests for yourself and trying to accomplish those goals, of watching those elite athletes like Edwin Moses in the hurdles or Carl Lewis in the sprints and trying to emulate those movements and that relaxation and consistently setting those goals. But you know what? To an athlete, even the most elite, 
some of whom went on to the Olympics, would say that they failed. They failed over and over and over again, but every time they failed, they were able to elevate their game a little bit higher because they learned from that failure. Friends, as we, as we compare ourselves to Jesus, we invariably fail, do we not? There is a word for that in Christianity, and it's a word that has been so abused and maligned, but it still holds meaning, and that word is sin. Sin is a terribly effective word. But I've got to tell you something. I have never, as I've read the scriptures, seen anywhere where Jesus bludgeons somebody by that word. Ever. Now, why do we do it all the time? Sin is an archery term, an ancient archery term that simply means missing the mark. That's what it means. And there's not one of us in this room that hasn't at some time or even consistently missed the mark. But what I want to challenge you is in our human nature, I also believe there is the ability and desire to continually and constantly try and get better. We have that within ourselves. And so the beauty of sin is what it does is it gives us a marker and saying, this is an area where I need some help or I need to get better. And so I'm going to learn from this and continue to elevate my ability to follow Jesus. And we don't do it in some kind of egocentric, egomaniacal kind of way. We do it humbly. And so I want to ask you this morning, as you think about your own nature, as you think about that which is within yourself, where are those places that you are missing the mark? And might you visualize in the midst of that, Jesus. That forgiving, grace-filled, wonderful gift of God. And place yourself there and continually seek to get better. Well, friends, the other beautiful thing about this is we are in a church. And the design of a church is not judgmentalism. No church was designed ever to be judgmental. The church was designed to be a place where we can fail. And fail in the safety of a loving community. And fail in ways where we can go to our sisters and brothers. Those around us and say, please help me with this. But always in very loving ways. Is this one of those churches? Or might we again have some work to do in that? I love what Immanuel Kant said, and I love Immanuel Kant. Because in his writing, what he talked about was Jesus as the prototype. The prototype. And we all need to have that in our lives. So, I kept thinking about this. What would Jesus have said to me last Thursday morning? I believe it would go something like this. Okay, Brad, I get that you're a guy. I love that about you, but maybe next time listen to the wisdom in your heart and wear, wear the strap. Maybe the money will help you remember. In other words, learn from the mistake. And then I love to see you on the water. He doesn't need a paddleboard. <laughs> Friends, are we a church where grace happens? 
Are we a church where we understand that when we fail, God doesn't? Are we a church that seeks to be not worms, but more like this? The fruit of faith is love, and the fruit of love is service. Is that at the heart of what we do? I have new glasses, and I think they're kind of styling. (laughs) But I paid a price for those, and it was the cost of my failure. And I promised my wife that I would learn from that failure. Balance on the kayak and the paddleboard will come with practice, as does faith and growth. But let's keep moving forward and believing that our human nature is more in the image of God, a little lower than the angels, where neither life nor death nor anything else can separate us from the love of God. And let's be that community of grace. And let's help each other deepen and create space for that faith. Let's do that. And if we do that, watch this place grow. Everyone, everyone is looking for that safe place. Everyone, everyone.